Let's get some insights in the news shaping the markets. And for that, we welcome in Kevin Gordon, Senior Investment Research Manager at Charles Schwab with us every Monday to kick it off. Well, nice to see you. Third quarter in a row. Tough times. Um, But look, isn't it interesting how we're starting a new quarter in a different way? Yields is one of the reasons. Tell me what your thoughts are. Yeah, a little bit of um, a bounce today. And probably, I mean, we have room, I think, to, to experience maybe a more drawn out bounce. But what's been interesting, actually, is that um, any of the reasons to rally, whether it's bad sentiment or oversold conditions on a technical basis, haven't really held lately. And you were sort of mentioning at the beginning of the show that you know we're still down a considerable portion of sure. the days when you go back a couple of weeks. Um, so that's been a little interesting to me, especially at a time when some of the mega caps have started to roll over uh, considerably. So you're not getting as much of a lift from the big tech, big consumer discretionary or comm services uh, you know, heavyweights. And then also on that evidence by last week, I think a lot of the pressure is now coming from relatively strong economic data, whether it's initial jobless claims or um, you know, some of the relatively strong data within household spending. If you look at this morning, we had construction spending that was weak, but within that, um, you know, on household furnishings, private residential household furnishings, that was actually stronger on the month. So there's still some discrepancies, I think, and that's forcing Fed officials to be a little bit more hawkish and come out and say, not ready to take their feet off the brakes. Um, so maybe that's one of the biggest reasons that we can't seem to find a rally. And I think another reason, um, especially on the labor front, mentioning claims last week, um, it will be interesting now that we've seen claims decisively roll over, whether that adds to a little bit of a hotter uh, non-farm payrolls report on Friday. So that will right. be, um, you know, the, the internals are always important to dissect. But if it's strong at a headline level, if you see a relatively stable unemployment rate, it's not really what the Fed's looking for. Um, yeah. So probably would keep pressure, I would think, on the market if we got a hotter report. Yeah, and I want to talk more about the consumer and jobs, but just, um, I did mention the dollar, Yeah, and that's something you had in your notes, and uh, noting how, well, we've had this strong dollar. I mean, last week was very strong. We saw records, right? 20-year highs, and um, it's come off a little bit today, but what are people saying about the dollar at this point? Um, You know, it's it's a double-edged sword, uh, and it's getting sharper. I like to think about it that way, because on the one hand, um, you know, you have the benefits of a strong dollar from our perspective with, you know, it being a relative hedge against inflation. I don't want to say an absolute one, just because, you know, we still have near a 40-year high in inflation. It's nowhere near Um, you know, alleviating all the pain that's associated with that. And, you know, credibility in the Fed's ability to fight inflation. I think that if the dollar was completely tanking and we still had an eight handle on CPI, it'd be a very different story for the Fed. Um, And then capital flows into the U.S. So that's the good news. The bad news, I think, is starting to outweigh the good news, meaning a headwind on corporate Mm -hmm. profits because we get about 40% of S&P earnings that come from overseas. And then also just the fact that, you know, the global economy is still weakening um, under central banks that are still tightening. And when you think about the relative growth prospects for the U.S. and the fact that the Fed is hiking at a more aggressive pace than the BOE or ECB, um, you know, it just makes it more attractive over here, but exacerbates pressure abroad. But pressure abroad is still bad for uh, us over here in the U.S. So it's sort of, given we're all tied together and commingled in this cycle, um, it makes it more difficult, I think, for earnings strength to pick up um, and certainly economic strength to pick up too. And you mentioned the Fed and inflation still running mm-hmm. hot. And more and more folks that I speak with say we cannot keep inflation for a long time because once people get used to the idea that things are, you'll never be able to bring it down, yeah. right? So the Fed wants this looser labor market and just not getting everything fast enough. But they've also acknowledged, I mean, Chair Powell actually said we haven't necessarily seen 
you know, the cause and effect, right? We, they hike rates and then something happens. Yeah. Housing has come down, sure, but, and gasoline prices have come down, but I'm not, he, he acknowledged that it's not fully through the system yet. Right. So, and it's inflation expectations. Uh, that's, to yeah. your point, that's what they want to keep anchored, which they are anchored by almost every measure. If you look at the University of Michigan survey that we got on Friday, we got the update mm -hmm. for um, September, yeah. you know, pretty well anchored. Five to 10 year expectations ticked down, one year inflation expectations ticked down, yeah. the five year, five year forward inflation swap, which is sort of the market based, um, you know, inflation yeah. expectation metric, that has not ticked up significantly. So I think, yeah, I mean, they're doing their job, but they just don't want to see it get out of yeah. the bag. And what is that? Anchored. A blank is not a pivot. What's that about? You know, I I've been interested just to hear about, more, more recently, with the turmoil that we've seen abroad, specifically within the UK, um, the Bank of England's intervention in their bond market because of the currency and the bond right. crisis that they were having, which, by the way, the, the pounds reversal, um, that chart's been one of the most fascinating to look at over the past week, just given the decline, but then the, um, the bounce back. But there was a lot more chatter last week about the Fed sort of having to step in and do something to alleviate some of the volatility that we've seen. And attached to that, similar to what we saw in the summer with a Fed pivot going right to rate oh, cuts, right, was right. this bullish narrative developing that we that was somehow going to be good for the market. I, I'm not sure how a financial crisis that the Fed would have to step in to alleviate is positive for risk assets. Yeah. So if you want to call it a blink or a pivot or whatever it was being called, um, you know, it's just not something that I would definitely not trade around uh, but you know I just wouldn't place a bullish narrative on that because similar to the rate cut story yeah. the Fed's never cutting rates aggressively or stepping in and intervening in a market to you know and, and making that seem as a good thing for the economy. Tell me about jobs on Friday. I mean, I know we're always waiting for this Goldilocks yeah. report. What are we waiting for? Uh, well, the Fed's certainly waiting for uh, jobs to get less hot. I think for, from our perspective, some of the cracks that have been forming under the surface of payrolls, um, so not just the non-farm headline payroll number. Mm -hmm. um, the household survey is always important to look at because it's flatlined. That's going to be the first thing. And then within the household survey, the multiple job holder number is crucial because that started to tick oh, up yes. at the same time that hours worked have rolled over. So that means that people are having to take on more jobs, likely because hours worked have been cut. So weekly pay has come down. Um, and so if that dynamic persists, even with a stable unemployment rate, right. it would still sort of, um, I think, add to the fact that, yes, there are a lot of weak signs but not enough yet probably rising to the top for the Fed to act on it. Um, so that's probably going to be the most interesting dynamic, I think, from our point of view to look at for Friday. I, I don't love the story about Credit Suisse, for example, mm. right, trying to shore up some funds. And I am not making comparisons. I mean, I was here for the Bear Stearns yeah. and Lehman time. And, and you know, at what, it just puts fear or nervousness into the market, right? Doesn't yeah. it? Or, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What well, do you, well, how do you interpret all of this in a calm and balanced way? Well, from a macro, I mean, I don't cover individual companies, as right. you know, but no, from a macro general, perspective. Like these financials or whatever, yeah, right? I mean, well, there's a different, you know, capitalized structure. I mean, banks being better capitalized now than they were in the lead up to that crisis, for sure. Um, and I think the ripple effects in from the perspective of if we're comparing it to 08, you know, housing and everything that was tied to that, um, you don't have those same instruments that are floating around today. So that's the, the benefit. But I think to your point, I mean, there's a fear factor because housing has become a large part of right. this, you know, cycle and, and sort of the stay at home bubble. 
Um, and then, you know, now that it's rolling over and you're starting to see it, see it now feed into prices, depending on which metric you're looking mm -hmm. at. Um, I know Black Knight was out with some data over the weekend, and we've had now two consecutive months of a pretty weak uh, drop in, in home prices around the, around the country. Right, right. Um, so it's definitely starting to feed in. But I think, you know, relative to 2008, it's not something that we would look at as a total repeat um, where you would have an epic collapse of the financial system. Right. We're dealing with different circumstances this time, mostly inflation. And that was sort of the idea that time, right? That's yeah. why we started to have bank stress tests right. and Absolutely. all of that. So we don't necessarily need to have the same sort of fear. And the VIX doesn't show that. I mean, well, it has like been creeping higher, right? It's been creeping I mean, higher, but you know. Because it was hovering around 20 for a yeah. while, across yeah. 30. Right now, 29.96 yeah. here. So we'll watch for that. And you mentioned home prices. I mean, when you have mortgage rates at 6, 7%, I, know. I mean, that's enough to spook folks, especially when it used to be three percent, right? And, and it went yeah. sort of fast. Yeah, and right? that's the that's the job that the Fed's doing. They've they've effectively shut out um, an entire swath of, of buyers into the home market. Yeah. Can't afford it from an income or a mortgage rate perspective. Did we miss anything? Uh, well, you mentioned the one thing with the VIX actually is that if you look at equity volatility as measured by the VIX versus currency and bond volatility this year, currency and bond volatility have completely spiked back to COVID implosion levels March 2020. Okay. Haven't have. Oh, VIX, the okay. VIX hasn't, uh, which has been really interesting to me. So it's either the equities have to catch up, equity vol has to catch right. up, or those other two have to come down. Um, but it is interesting to see the split in those dynamics. Okay, yeah, yeah, because you're right, because during COVID, I mean, we went above 80 oh, yeah. on the it's VIX, insane. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're 29, yeah. so you're right about that. I mean, and I think it's, you know, someone came on the show and said, we just never see bear markets for cash, bonds, and equities all at the it's same rare. time. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough 2022. Yeah. Good to see you. Thanks, Nicole. Great Thank to see you. Thank you always for being here. Kevin Gordon, Charles Schwab.